Before game four, thanks to the Kings for setting us up with power for our roadcaster and some fans out here. And uh, excited about uh, the prospect of the Kings evening series tonight. Well, on those lines, Dennis, let me just very quickly say thank you to Kelly Cheeseman, Mike yeah. Altieri, the entire LA Kings staff. Uh, a little quick brief note. Two years ago, coming out of the pandemic, the Kings organization decided to invest in Mayor's Manor. They decided yeah. to purchase content. We became a content partner with them. It's been a great relationship. And we've been, you know, sort of uh, dancing at different times trying to figure out how to how to strengthen the relationship. I've made a few appearances on the TV yeah. uh, show. And, you know, they do some retweets. And I've had some stuff on LA Kings Insider. We did the post-game awards last year. But here we are, live outside of a playoff game, Dennis. This is uh, this is good stuff. Doesn't get much better than this. It's been four years since they made the playoffs. Not a great result in Game 3, but uh, hopefully they turn it around in Game 4, John. All right, look, we have Earl Skakel standing by. He wants to be the first guest of the night. And we have some fans that are here. They want to have some questions, too. But I want to come in really hot out of the gates, DB. I'm giving you my, my prediction. Please. This might not age well because by the time it posts, the right. game might already be over. L.A. Kings win tonight 4-2. Dennis Burns. There you go. Okay, I'm not making a prediction. You're not making a prediction. No, based on 14 to 2 against, I'm going to hold off. Oh, look. I picked the Kings in six, so I'm going to stick with that prediction. So there's going to be another game in Edmonton regardless. Yeah. So. All right, and, and I just want to go on the record, too, with one more thing, DB. I don't want to hear any questions or comments tonight about if the Kings lose, how this is going to be Dustin Brown's or could be Dustin Brown's final game. That's not on the table for tonight. We'll talk about Dustin Brown later. We already did the Dustin Brown episode. Yeah. I don't want to hear about Dustin Brown, and I'm sorry in advance to the people that have tweeted me and I have not replied when they've said, if the Kings are eliminated by the Oilers, which of the prospects are allowed to go down to Ontario? Guys, I tweeted that a month ago. Go back and look right. it up. Do a tweet search. Right. I, I'm not talking about that. We're talking about Kings, right. Oilers. I like to go in order, Dennis. Okay, now, John, I do have a story. Okay, I want to hear it. Before we bring in Earl. Okay, you recall the 32-second press conference by Todd. At the oh, absolutely. Three. I okay. clearly remember, okay. yes. Okay, and I asked the question, like, what happened from game one to game three? And he gave us 32-second answer. Now, the next day, Todd walks into his media availability and starts it like this. I want to apologize to Dennis for not answering his question last night. Oh, well, thank you for okay. that. And now, in that vein, 
I'd like to apologize to all the people on Twitter I've called donkeys. <laughs> I'd like to, but I'm not going to. I'd really like to, but you're still donkeys. This is reminding about. me of Conor McGregor's exactly. famous I, apology. I like yes, I would like to apologize to absolutely nobody. All right. Exactly. With that being said, let's bring in Earl Skagel. Earl has always some hot takes. And Earl, I don't know if you saw the pregame lineup that I posted on Mayor's Manor, but... It looks like Carl Grundstrom's going to be up on the top line playing alongside Kopitar and Kempe. What do you make of that? I mean, I've been pumping his tires for two years. He was a very high draft pick for Toronto. Uh, you know, obviously when you uh, score four goals in three games, you got to switch something up. And he could be like a younger version of Dustin Brown for Kopitar to get in there and mix it up. I have a controversial take. It's not Shocker, gonna, hold on. It's not going to be very popular. Are we going to need the edit button here? No, no. I'm not okay. going to say any dirty language. Okay, uh, all right. I, I got to be honest with you. I would sit Brown, and I, I realize the implications. Okay, get give me the microphone. Get out of here. He's not playing well. Get He's, out of he here. He is a log on the ice. You are not I'm sitting sorry. Dustin Brown. In favor get out well, of here. You got to go with these kids. You always say play the kids. So uh, put in Byfield and Velarde. And well, Velarde's already in, and you could put Byfield in on the fourth line in replace of then, double A. Why don't we bring back Scuderi then and put him in the oh. line? At Earl. some point, it's over, Charlie. did you hit the beer garden before it's you came over, over here? I know it's <laughs> over. It's, it's over. I love Dustin Brown. Two cups, but that was eight years ago. Okay. Earl, do you have any other takes besides that one? Bring back Boko and Mama. <laughs> okay, Earl, you're done. Get out of here. You're done. You're, you're done. Earl, Earl Skakel, you can see him. Uh, his comedy shows are available online. You can look those up. Send your hate mail to him on Twitter and Instagram and, and, as well. And Earl does text me in game about Grunstrom. Why is it Grunstrom? I'm like, why are you not? Okay. Exactly. Okay. Well, when Earl texted and said that he was going to be heckling, I didn't realize he was going to be bringing the nonsense to the podcast. So, uh, Dennis, it's, yeah. look, this series, I, and I wrote about this today, and I think this is the way to look at it. There are two different ways to look at the where the LA Kings are entering game four. Right. One train of thought, and I think this was where Philippe Deneau was the other night in the postgame, and that is, look, it's a 2-1 series, right? The scores don't matter. Each game is played independently. It's a 2-1 series. If the Kings come out and win tonight, then it's a 2-2 series. Or this other train of thought is, well, if you watch what's gone on during these you know, yeah. nine periods of hockey now, you probably haven't liked at least seven of them, and you have to be concerned for the L.A. Kings given the speed and the attack that the Oilers have brought to L.A. Yeah, and that's the thing, John. It's two to one, but when it's fourteen to two against in the two games, it appears bigger. It appears like a bigger, uh, a crater than what it really is. And that they play well and they stick to their identity. All the cliches: the identity, their checking game. Because they did win a game in this series, and they did Mike, make Mike Smith look bad. It's just that their passing game, and I talked to uh, both Todd and Mikey Anderson today about it, they can't complete short passes five feet from each other. And that's something that's necessary in the system to clear the zone and, and to have the Oilers on their heels. But it just hasn't been pretty. And, you know, I think the team lost confidence in game. All right. And it's... So, look, you're not a coach. I'm not a coach. We see things differently, right? Yeah. Coaches like to try to keep, if they're going to make lineup changes, they typically want to keep 
pairs together and then <clears throat> add a third component to that line. Right. I'm of the mindset, given the last two games and really the lack of execution, it's not it's not just the losses. It's the lack of execution Correct. in those two games that would have me concerned to where I would say, hey, you know what? I'm willing to go to the blender here. You can always revert back, DB. You can always default to a lineup that you're more comfortable with, but why not come out and be more aggressive? For example, put Kapari and Velarde on the wings with Kopitar and go crazy. Go nuts a little bit. You do have the second line to fall back on. You know that Trevor Moore and Deneau are going to be there as your security blanket, and in my scenario, you'd be putting Kempe on that line as well. It's just when you're giving players who don't have experience a lot of ice time, and I wouldn't trust these. Now, look, you have to take out Tennessee. I was going to say, do you trust 22? No. Okay. I don't trust them, but these kids haven't proved anything. I mean, you could do that, John. It's just that I'm worried about the mental mistakes. Like, this team has made a lot of mental mistakes. Like, when you're a four on four and it winds up Conrad Leon two on one and the puck's in the back of the net, you can't have that. Like, to me, so I, I agree with you. I think everything's on the table tonight, right? Because if you're down 3 1, you're going back to Edmonton, but it won't look good. So to me, yeah, why not, why not run the risk of doing something? It's at least a start, shot. That's my point, is yeah. at least a start, Dennis. Ten minutes in. And if you don't like what you're seeing, you could mix it up and you can yeah. do things. It is interesting, though, that apparently they're going to go with Carl Grunstrom on the top line. A lot of choices. If you take 22 off the top line, you could put Velarde up there. You could put Kapari up there. You could put Kaliev up there. You could put a lot of different players up there. And yeah. he, he looks like he's choosing to go with 91. I'm just saying it's a very interesting choice. Dennis. Here's the problem, John. No. I, Does anybody have a question? Sorry, DB. Yeah, Does anybody have a question? No, a lot of people hanging out. They just want to hear what's going like on, Dennis. Okay, okay. I'm sorry, Dennis. Okay. Go ahead. I was, I was, I didn't know what the signal was for. Do you have a question? Here's Go ahead. Answer, problem, answer my answer. Here's here, yes. The problem, though, you're taking 22 out, and you can't tell me, like, without a doubt, who goes up. You have to think about it, and that's that's part of the issue with this team is that I can't automatically say, okay, instead of Anthony C, it's going to be X. Yeah, the, the, well, the issue with 33 being out of the lineup, and it looks yes, like that's going to be kind of long-term, and it's not going to be just a game-to-game -game thing, but with 33 being out of the lineup, DB, I think it really limits their options because you kind of have 19 welded on that line there with Deneau and Moore, yeah. and you could put 19 back up top, Agreed. although that hasn't worked as well. And then here's the other thing. It just it delays or defers what you just said. If you move 19 up to the top line and reunite 19, 11, and 9, okay, well, then go. who goes on to the second line? It's right. the same question. It's just been sort of deferred to the second line. Or you can go really old school and go 9, 11, 23. Well, here's the thing. I would not be opposed to that. And, and uh, although, with, and if you look at the lineup that I put out there, I think that with nine, uh, with 91 going up to the top line, playing with Kopitar and, and playing with uh, Kempe tonight, I think 23 is going to go on the second line. I see Dustin Brown tonight potentially playing. And again, this is a little bit of speculation here because Todd has gone into full-blown playoff mode and has not indicated what those lines might be. Uh, but I think 23 is going to play on the second line tonight with Phil Deneau and with uh, Trevor Moore, Thousand Oaks Nate. It, it's a trust thing, right? It's, a, it's just a trust thing. I, I would trust Dustin in a game like this that's basically a must-win game more than these other players. But again, and then, well, John, we can talk big picture, too. I mean, look, next season, no 22, no 23. So, to your point, why not now? Why not give these – and I know Todd has said – 
you know, it's great for these kids to get experience, but you got to win the game. But with these options that aren't producing, I have no like I have no problem with any of your combinations. To be totally frank, and, and I think that's really where it is, DB. Is I I, I, I vacillate between. I predicted, like you, I thought the Kings were going to, I still do believe the Kings will win this series in six games. I think they win tonight. As I said at the top of the show, I think they win. That ties the series. That makes it basically a best of three, and I think the Kings can take two of the next three. I think that they can close this out in six, even if it went to seven. Right. Point is, I think that the Kings are still in the series prior to game four. Now, if game four looks like game two and game three, obviously it's over, Dennis. But... I don't want to wait to make the changes if I'm the coaching staff until that have to win, do or die game five. We're being drowned out here, Dennis. Yeah, the is out of the barn at yeah. three to one. Yeah, right. Because you're going back home, they're feeling it. Right. And it, it, it's going to be a huge task. You got to get this game to even it out and then cause down again. Because after game one, it was down the Edmonton Olive We talked about having nerves. Well, they weren't nervous in two or three, but you have to recreate that and just stick to your game check better and just play a better game mentally. Yeah, the defense is something that hasn't received a lot of talk up until now. They have their sixth defenseman. You have Mavari on the sidelines. He's probably too young, too inexperienced. You don't want to have him draw in. You could put Austin Strand in if you wanted a little bit more size, but the problem is he's a puck mover over on the right side, yep. and you have to keep Matt Roy in the lineup, so yeah. short of moving him to the left side, Matt Roy clogs up one of the right side spots, and that leaves you with Dursey and Spence, who arguably are your two puck moving defensemen, so there really isn't a way to get Strand into the lineup, again, other than moving Matt Roy, maybe over to the left side. That's a big ask in this game, though. That's a really a big problem. Uh, because you, you can't, like, start changing everything. Yeah. Right? That, that's the one thing. That's the one dynamic. And the one other issue is that after game one, and Lizotte said this, I said, what's the difference between the first 82 games you played this season and these three? Because it's way more physical. And after game one, you saw it. Cassian, Fogel, McLeod, even uh, Kane. And Kane's been a big problem for the Kings, man. He's been, he came out, he's a big physical forward, and he's been dominant at the net. They have to figure a way to, to, to push him out, box him out. The, two, the only problem with this team, as we know, is size on the blue line. Yeah. You have Edler, you have Bada, and that's about it. So to me, you have to figure out how to keep these players at distance in front of Jonathan Quick. Yeah, Robin Regeer uh, apparently is not available for this game. Yeah, Willie Mitchell, unfortunately. No, he can't get a direct flight. He's uh, up there in the, the north, north, north uh, Vancouver yes. or British Columbia. Can't get a direct flight. It'd be one of those, like, eight legs to get here, and it would There's take only him. only one direct flight to Edmonton, John. Like, that's the weird thing on WestJet of all. And Air Canada does not fly direct to Edmonton, so we need Willie to get up to Edmonton or down to L.A. It's going to take eight legs. Well, I don't know if it's uh, Willie Mitchell or Matt Green or who is he. Needed, but somebody needs to step up big time on the blue line. Uh, I do want to get back to Jonathan Quick, though. I think Quickie has a big game tonight, Dennis. I'm expecting a lot out of 32. It has to happen. And, and not for nothing, I know there's a, a couple of knuckleheads have asked me about changing goaltenders. Cal Peterson hasn't won a game in a month. I think the last game was April 3rd. And not for nothing, John, you look at them with the 14 goals. Tell me what's wrong with Quick's fault. They're really none of them were his fault. He didn't have a bad game. It's just that the 
those were impossible goals to defend. So yeah, he's got to go back to game one. And he's been playing great down the stretch. He needs run support. They can't get down early. And they got to defend better in front of him. Yeah, I think longtime Kings fans might be looking at this goaltending situation and kind of hearkening back to 1993. You had Rudy, you had Stauber, you had some goaltending controversy. Stauber came in, stole the net as the backup, took over. They end up getting out of that first round. You go into the second round, he gets the net again until they lose. Then Rudy goes in and he goes the rest of the way. I don't think that's the situation the Kings are dealing with right now. Cal Peterson is the goaltender of the future. He is the guy they've committed to. Jonathan Quick does have one more year left on his contract, but I think you look at the balance of this season and you look at what happened over 82 games, yeah. Jonathan Quick was the better goaltender. I think you have to go back to Jonathan Quick to start the game tonight, DB. I don't think there's any question who the starter should be for tonight. If 40 comes out of the yeah. gate first, I would no. be shocked. And really, I'm not shocked very often. I would be shocked by that tonight, well, Dennis. You can make that move at game 41, not at game 86. You need, and I know other teams like have... Cam Talbot, Marc-Andre Fleury, and who's up? No. Like, you need one guy. And you're going to run him out there, and he's your guy. you got to play better in front of him. you got to defend better. You can't go in the penalty box. He did it in game one. Like, if he had a bad game one and they won, I'd say, okay, maybe, maybe not. But the way he played in game one and the way he played down the stretch, he's your guy. I, I, if, if Cal Peterson plays tonight... It's 3-1 Edmonton going home. Well, I don't see Cal Peterson in the game tonight, Dennis. Like yeah. I said, I think 32 is the starter. Agreed. I think he comes up big tonight. I think it's going to be his best game of the series. I think L.A. wins this game 4-2. Why don't we do this? Why don't we take a quick break? We'll come back on the other side. We'll see if anybody has questions. And if not, uh, then maybe we could dive into some of the other series. Obviously, this is not the only series in the Stanley Cup playoffs. We can talk about our predictions and how we're doing in the seven other series right after the break. Second period, DB, we're doing a great job here. My voice is going to be gone by the end of uh, yeah. end of the episode here. Oh, we're having to scream over the LA Kings drumline. Drum they line. have a huge crowd going band. on over there. there huh? The band, the drumline. The band, the drumline. Sure, everybody. Uh, Kings fan Zach has joined us. He has a question, Dennis. He's wearing a Dustin Brown jersey with a C on the front. He's here for game four. Zach, what's your question? Um, so, obviously, the Kings game is, is more structured, defense first. Uh, not as heavy as the old days, uh, but maybe leaning into size, weight, is that the best way to try and sort of keep Edmonton in front of them, uh, sort of minimize their speed as best as possible, is just punch them before they can even get past you? All right, great question there from Zach. Dustin Brown, Jersey DB, you want to go first on that one? I have a, I have a theory about his, his question there. Uh, it's just not a physical team, Zach. That's the problem. I, I don't know who would... Who would do that? You would have Lemieux. Not, I, if you played Lemieux, Lazat, and Kaliev again, 
I, I like to see Ar Artie throw the body a little bit more, so I think that would be the only opportunity because they're a checking skating team. They're not a big physical team. What do you think? Yeah, to that point and to your question, Zach, I think the issue is this. That's not the identity of this team. This isn't the 2012 LA Kings where, you yeah. know, to a man, every one of them is going to go out and try to bang the body and, and try to lead the lead the game in hits, right? You have a couple of physical players. You have Grunstrom. He's allegedly playing up on the top line tonight. He's going to hopefully bring a little physicality. I think uh, Earl Skakel, who was here earlier mentioned, harkens back to the Dustin Brown days, actually, when he was up on the top line with Kopitar. So the answer to your question, I think, is you have to play a little bit more physical because it's going to hopefully kind of rattle Edmonton a little bit more or show them that you're not intimidated by them. But I don't think that you can go overly physical and turn this into, you know, uh, 1993 Toronto Maple Leafs, LA Kings, Marty McSorley, Doug Gilmore type hockey for the reasons that Dennis mentioned. They don't have the roster to do that, and they would be playing, I think, too far outside of their identity. Yeah. But standing up for yourself... I think it does give you confidence, especially if you're a younger player. And I think back to when the Kings played the Ducks towards the end of the season. I thought it was the best game from Quentin Byfield. And it wasn't necessarily because he was getting shots. It was because he was involved. He was physical. He was yeah. basically saying, hey, guys, I'm here. I'm Quentin Byfield. Look at me. And he was not afraid to get involved. And I think that that gave him some confidence. And I think for some of the younger players like Kapari, like Kaliev, like Velarde, that can help give them some confidence and maybe get them going. And then the first two games he played, he got tested. Quentin. Like, Edmonton said, okay, number two overall draft pick. So he, and he pushed back. So he said, look, I'm here. I'm going to keep playing. So it's just tough because, to your point, they have to keep their identity. They, they can't get into a brawl. They can't get into a, a, a track meet with this team. They got to win the game 3-2. Now, they won 4-3, but, John, I don't see them winning 4-3 games. They got to win 3-2. They got to limit chances. And I think you do that by, again, identity even when I, that term is getting nauseated for me yeah so thank you for the question appreciate that zach why don't we do this db uh, why don't we take a brief moment and talk about some of our predictions around the league and the other games going on yeah. uh in our last episode in our playoff preview we talked about what was happening in the east we talked about the west let's start out east you have carolina versus boston i think you took carolina yeah. i took boston if i remember correctly and uh that series it's a homer series so yeah. far carolina takes the first two at home they go into Beantown and Boston takes the next two. Series is tied 2-2. Yeah, I like Carolina in seven, but you know, without Freddie Anderson, Antilanta and the, the Russian kid, it, it's a toss-up right now. I like the way Boston play. Talk about identity. Boston played Boston Bruins hockey in Boston, and now it's 2-2. And I think that goes back to tonight's game. The LA Kings are home. They need to play LA Kings oh, hockey. Yeah, no you can't try to play Edmonton Oilers hockey, so play LA Kings hockey tonight and win that lower-scoring game, that 3-2, 4-2 game. Like Todd said, they're not going to score seven or nine goals tonight. I'll tell you what, Dennis. I will take you out for an umbrella drink if the LA Kings score seven goals tonight. No, I'll do one better. I'll take you out for a full night of umbrella drinks on me. We'll even get an Uber so neither of us have to drive. There's no way the LA Kings score seven goals. If they do, you and I are going to party like it's 1999. Um, let's talk about some of the other series out in the East. You have Florida. Remember, you have the Florida Panthers yeah. tattoo. Florida, uh, the Capitals, DB. They are, I mean, they're giving it to the Panthers. Here's the thing, John. The one question I had about the Panthers was, was their style of hockey going to sell in the playoffs? And it's not selling because part of, the, part of the reason is they don't get six power plays every game in the playoffs. And to me, that was the one question I had about this team. That and 
And I think a lot of guys with, with Stanley Cup, you know, winning experience. That's why they, even though Claude didn't win, they brought in a guy like that. And right now they're being tested against a veteran team. But guess what? All those guys, the core guys in Washington, they have rings. Yeah. The Capitals are certainly showing up like the championship caliber team that they are. And it's funny because when Todd McClellan first arrived in, in April a few years ago in Los Angeles, he talked about the fact that, hey, look, the Kings have kind of fallen on some tough times, but you can't deny the championship pedigree. You can't deny the experience that guys like Kopitar, that guys like Brown, that guys like Dowdy, Quick, etc., have, and they had at that time, and they still have, and I think that's important, bringing those guys in with experience. All right, let's continue out in, in the East and wrap things up out there, DB. You have Toronto, and you have uh, Tampa Bay. Things didn't get off to, uh, exactly the way that everybody outside of Toronto thought. 5 nothing. To, the Leafs take game one. The Lightning have come back since then, but how are you feeling about that series? Well, tonight I think it's 4 nothing. a Lightning. I think it's a seven-game series. Yeah. I think there's been so many swings in that game, in that series, John. To me, it's really surprising. And you would have thought after game two, okay, this is the Lightning that we know. They went in there, they dominated the game, but they went up losing game three. They, they bounced back here in four. So to me, I, I think it's a seven-game series, and Toronto has home ice advantage, but John... All the pressure on Toronto playing at home in the game seven. I, I think the Leafs would rather play that game on the road if they had get to go to seven. Yeah, we'll have to find out. Uh, we can maybe uh, text Commissioner Gary Bettman and find out if they've petitioned to move that game. It's like when you have a court case going on and the court case right. is like too big for the city. Exactly. Yeah, and then they and then they petition the judge and they ask to move it to another city. I don't know. Maybe they'll play that game in Hamilton or Moncton or, right. or, or Buffalo would be. That's just an annex of Toronto anyway. But uh, yeah, the pressure probably would not be as great as it would be there. Um, the other series that you have going on out in the Eastern Conference, then DB, would be? Uh, Penguins and the Rangers. Now, uh, my son, who I, we've had on the show, he's yeah. been, I've done a few podcasts with him before. Yeah. He's hanging out here at the Fan Fest. He's about 12 feet away from us, Dennis. He tried telling me before the playoffs that the Penguins were going to beat the Rangers. I laughed him out of the room. He gave me the old side eye after the triple overtime game. Yeah. And the Penguins, Dennis, you talk about championship pedigree. It's not just Geno. It's not just Crosby. The Penguins are showing up in that series. If I'm the New York Rangers, I'm a little bit nervous right now. And they knocked out to Starkin yesterday. But at 4-1, Penguins, they rally 4-4. I'm like, uh-oh, no. Rangers are winning that game. And they wind up and found a way. So, look, there's a lot of championship here. Guy who all he does is score, Jeff Carter. There's a lot of rings, a lot of pride in that room. I like the Rangers in that series in six, but it now could easily go. So I think the Rangers bounce back, but again, a lot of these series look to be longer than I thought. Yeah, I liked the Rangers in five originally in that series, and now I just yeah. hope the Rangers can pull it out in seven games. Uh, because yeah, I can't, I can't have the Penguins beating the Rangers, no, then it's, it's not going to work for me. Uh, I'll be I'll be hearing it all summer oh, long, and I, I don't need you those chirps. No, I don't need that. Uh, let's go. Out, let's go out to the Western Conference. Perhaps the most interesting series, although not a lot is happening in that series. Dallas versus Calgary. If you let me give you one, I told you so. I told you the Dallas Stars in that series against Calgary. You laughed me off the last podcast. Yeah. Dallas is up in the series. What about Joe Pavelski? He's incredible. 
the all-time American playoff goaltending, or excuse me, not goaltending, goal scoring leader for American-born players. He gets it done. And hey, Trevor Lewis is outscoring yeah, Tyler hey. Toffoli in that series. Hey, great game by Jake Ottinger last night. You know, Toffoli threw that great backhand pass, led Johnny Goudreau, and a great stick save by Ottinger. But Pavelski's been great. And look, the first two games, you needed a lot of Red Bulls and a lot of coffee to get through. <laughs> but that was an exciting game. I think because of the crowd, Dallas was really good. But again, that's a series where now, and that's the one thing about Daryl. Here's all the questions now. Hey, does he push the team too hard? Are they out of gas? And the goalie, Markstrom, is, I think, 9-8 and eight in the playoffs. So he's not proven in the playoffs. So to me, a very big that game turned that, that playoff really intriguing. And then watch what happens next if Dallas ends up winning the next game, Dennis. Oh. I mean, you talk about pressure. You talk about questions. Yeah. It's going to really turn. All right. Uh, the series that I think everybody, including us, thought was going to go to seven games, Minnesota, yeah. St. Louis, it's been kind of going back and forth. I, I don't think there's one team in that series that has been more dominant than the other, you know, sort of overall. Each, yeah. each team has kind of had their moments in the series. Yeah. It's like four one-game series. They've been very, very <laughs> different games. Yeah. And I like St. Louis in six, but Kaprizov has been fantastic. Marc-Andre Fleury's been great for them. So, again, it looks like that looks like a seven-game series. I like them in six because of the strength of the special teams on St. Louis. But it's no shock. Each team winning each other's barn. A really exciting game, that, that series that looks like it will go seven. Yeah, a lot of people went into cardiac arrest after they heard my pick in that series. I actually did take the St. Louis Blues to win a playoff series. I took St. Louis in seven. This is the last time, though. That's if St. Louis and Minnesota meet up again next year, I'm already on record as saying I will take the Minnesota Wild next okay. year. So it was just a one-off. Uh, in that particular series. Uh, so, Dennis, you know, has there been a team, though, that you would say really has surprised you, either positively or negatively? Somebody that you, like, coming into the playoffs, maybe you thought yeah. they were going to be better and they haven't been, or a team on the flip side that you thought, you know, wasn't going to be so hot and maybe yeah. they've been more impressive? Well, not that I haven't. Well, negatively, I would say Florida. Yeah, I, I figured you would go there. But positively, and it's funny because when we were up in Edmonton, we had the... Uh, uh, Nick Dixon had a pool with respect to the cup winner. And so I got first pick, and of course, being me, I picked the Colorado Avalanche out of the hat. John, <laughs> they look really freaking good. They, they look as advertised. They can score it well. Now, granted, no Nashville with Soros, and, and maybe, maybe Minnesota-St. Louis will challenge that team, but I think they'll be so beat up physically, emotionally, after that series, that I think they may breeze through. But Colorado, to me, they just, you know, back with Landis Gog, back with Kadri, they just look like a cup winner to me right now. Scary moment in the game last night also, Dennis, with the stick that came through. Yeah, and uh, fortunately, the reports today are he's going to be okay. Might Kemper might even play in the next game. They said the eye is just a little bit swollen. Yeah. But wow, what a scary moment. And I don't know how, how closely you watched the video, DB, but when, when the stick goes in, yeah. and then you see the helmet lift, yeah. yeah, that's when I was like, whoa, that's not good, right? It's not only for goalies, though. The, the, the off-ice official in the penalty box got hit with the glass, and then, yeah, in, in, in Boston, and then uh, one, uh, Jimmy Murphy, uh, not Jimmy, uh, Johnny Murphy, one of the linesmen, got run over by one of the ice crew as well. So it's been dangerous for everybody, John. Not a good series there, yes. No. Wear your helmets. Be careful, everybody. Exactly. All right, DB, that's a wrap on the second period. Why don't we do this? There's There are more and more fans that are gathering around. Some of them are a little bit uh, shy to ask a question. Maybe we'll get one of them to come on and ask a question. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll do the third period. Kings of the Podcast right after this.
Welcome back to the third period of Kings of the Podcast with DB and the Mayor. All right, welcome back, third period. DB, we have a couple of Oilers fans here that are, are circling around. Yes, I've been to Edmonton several times. Uh, yes, Barry Tees, right? That's where we're going after the game. That was the that was the place to go back in the day. Uh, that was where I saw Freddie Brathwaite. This really? is a true story, Dennis. Okay. Have I ever told you this story? No, I don't think so. Kings Oilers. This must have been late '90s, if I remember the timeline correctly. But Kings Oilers. After the game, we go to Barry Tees, and what what happens? Freddie Brathwaite and Jason Arnott show up, jump behind the bar, and start That's serving drinks. Beautiful. Yeah, it was fantastic. It was a good time. All right, DB. During the break here, we had a couple of fans that came up. They were shy of the microphone, but well, they they had some questions. Okay. So it's okay. I will pass the questions along. So uh, the first question is Jennifer. From West Hills. Her question is about goaltending. She uh, wants to know if we have a theory uh, why Coach Todd McClellan, he will pull Jonathan Quick if he's having a bad game, but according to her, he never once this season, this is not a statistic that's been verified, but I'm going to go with it, okay. that when Peterson was having a bad game, he never pulled Peterson. Now, my thought behind that would be that Quickie is a veteran goalie, and you tend right. to, with your vets, you handle them a little bit differently, right. and you're like, hey, tonight's an off night. Let's get you some rest where Peterson being that he's still a younger goalie breaking into the league you kind of want him to get that experience and unfortunately a younger goalie has to wear it a little more often what's your take on it it might be more situational agree I agree with the age part but it's a respect thing like and especially the other night the way it was going the other night you can't leave quick out there plus you need him to come back for four the way they were playing, you can't keep them out there and face more shots and more high danger chances. So I get that. And it's, uh, yeah, sometimes you got to take it. And it would benefit the cow to have those rougher nights because John has had those tough nights where he's been the only guy. And there isn't a, a, a capable backup. So to me, it's, a, it's not growth because Cal's now established he's got a long term deal. But to me, I think it's just uh, situational and just. Yeah, I think the situational part of it, we'd have to look at the schedule and, you know, more can go into it also. You could have, back it could be back-to-back -back games, right. there could be travel that's involved and, you know, that a little bit of that. Honestly, I was a little surprised when things got out of control in game two that he didn't pull Quickie yeah. and maybe put, especially knowing that there was some travel in front of them, right. give Quickie a little bit of extra rest. But, hey, that is what it is. Uh, Jonathan Quick is expected to start in, in net tonight. He's the number one goaltender for this series until things change. And uh, you weren't here for early. But I do think Quickie has a huge game tonight. I think the Kings come up big and they win 4-2. Again, this might not age well, Dennis, if it posts yeah. after the game or if people are listening. But it's, it's going to age beautifully if it happens like I said. Okay. Or we'll just clean it up and post. In post with, uh, but no, my actual prediction is 4-2. Now, we had another fan that stopped by with some contract-related questions, Dennis. And, you know, I said at the top of the show, I didn't want to talk about the future. I wanted to live in the moment. Yeah. But out of respect for Leanne, stopping by and asking this question. I will make an exception for Leanne and we'll address this. She said, what's going on with all of the contracts? Because you, had a, you have a lot of guys that are coming due this summer, right? Yeah. Obviously, Brown is retiring, but you have the Kempe contract. You have the Mikey Anderson contract. Yeah. Brendan Lemieux coming due. Elias uh, Anderson is coming due. And to date, the only contract that really has gotten done is the Blake Lazat deal. Yes. Final thing I'll say on that is if you go back on the Mayor's Manor, you know I love the shameless plug. Totally. I put the cap article out there around the trade deadline yes. and I said Blake Lazat would get probably two years at about a million five. It was a million six five right. so it was pretty close. Close. Plus or minus a uh, hundred and fifty thousand. 
I have Kempe penciled in on a five-year deal, around five million, could be five-five maybe. Hope it doesn't get up to six. They're going to need as much yeah. cap room. Um, I think Kempe is obviously going to get a contract. I don't think Leah Sanderson comes back. No. I think Brendan Lemieux is a question mark. I don't think Double A comes back. No. And I think Mikey Anderson gets a bridge deal, probably a two-year deal. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with you on the bridge deal. Now the other issue, John, is Edward and Mata. Unrestricted both of the end of the year. Remember, there's retained salary on Mata. And then Mata's playing. Mata had a long stretch where he played well. He might get four and a half, five million for this team. No, sure. you can't. You cannot pay Olimata four million. I'm not saying he's not worth four million. I'm not. You just you can't because I think it's going to limit you at the trade deadline. That's why. Yeah, and I so, agree. by the way, to the girl over here with the WWE title belt, that is outstanding. I don't know uh, if that's an AEW belt or uh, nope, that's a WWE belt. But all right, good for her. Um, that's outstanding. I don't know what yeah. she's the champion of, but good for her. If it was Britt Baker, this show would end right now, Dennis, because I would have to go over and talk to her. But um, getting back to the point here, uh, I, I think that it limits what they would be able to do at the trade deadline next year because this is what I think is going to happen. I think they're going to make one big move in the summer, and then I think they wait. I think you, you let the kids come in, and then you wait, and at the trade deadline, you make that second big splash. Call it the Jeff Carter-type move. And I think that if you have Mata yeah. on a $4 million deal, yeah. you're going to be severely limited what you can do at the deadline. Thing. They need two more scorers. Now, it depends where you get them from. If, if, if Arnie emerges and he's a 25-goal scorer, the other thing, John, is Kempe a 35-goal scorer and it's Phil Deneau a 27-goal scorer next season. Big questions. Well, I think you're right. I think there's going to be some regression in both. Yeah. I think if you can get 25 a year out of Deneau, and certainly oh, you would have to think sorry. that you're going to, right? right? So, I mean, he probably wishes he was a free agent this summer instead of last summer. But if you get Phil Deneau at 25 goals a year, and if Kempe can give you 25 to yeah. 30, even though that's a little regression from this year, that still is pretty helpful. And the other key is 19. 19, really look, when you sign 19, you expected him to be a third-line player. He was okay. never expected to give you 25 to 30 goals. So I'm okay with 19 okay. on the third line. Okay. But he can't give you 10. I'll say that. No, he can't give you 10, but you need there, there's a need for two top six forwards. Or, or there's a need to get some offense off the blue line, oh, I, I and I'm still going to push yeah. hard. I don't know what number he's going to wear because Quentin Byfield is going to be wearing 55 next year, so I don't know what number Brant Clark's going to wear. Maybe you just give him a single-digit five. I don't know, but, hey, Brant Clark has nothing left to prove in the Ontario Hockey League. It's time, and this team needs offense, 100%. and they need help. It's going to be a glut of guys on the right side. I don't know how they're going to do it, Dennis, yeah. but Brant Clark Sweet. has to be in L.A. next year because they need offense. Yes. Now, what about that guy went in the Quinton Byfield number five jersey on Twitter? Did you <laughs> like that? I, look, there's an open invitation. If anybody sees that guy walking around, and I'm calling to all the fans here that are in the Fan Fest, if you see the guy with the Byfield number five jersey, please invite him over. There's a microphone right yeah. here. I want to interview that guy. I want to talk to that guy. Was it a Tim Waters jersey? Was it a Peter Harold jersey? What, what was he covering up? Because there's no way he went into the store and was like, hey, guys, can you make a Byfield 5 jersey? Because that doesn't make any sense. I want to talk to that guy, Dennis. Absolutely. I got a real kick out of that guy. Looking around the crowd here, DB, uh, we're seeing a lot of 23 jerseys. Uh, we're seeing a lot of 11 jerseys. 
I see a Kempe jersey over here. I see a 32. We have a Jonathan Quick. I see a Palsy jersey over here. Oh, you know, a lot of Kopitars for sure. Whoa, 32 Jonathan Quick tattoo. That is outstanding. Dennis has a Florida Panthers tattoo, but we're not going to show that to you. We have a whole Edmonton Oilers family here. Welcome to Kings of the Podcast. That's outstanding. Did you guys come down from Edmonton for the game? Calgary. Oh, you're a trainer on top of that. All right, good. They're Oilers fans living in Calgary. That's outstanding. Well, so you're anti Daryl Sutter is what you're saying. Okay, all right. Well, welcome. I'm sorry, but you guys are not going to win tonight. It's going to be a 4-2 LA final, but hey, you guys had a good trip to LA. Okay, you'll take the risk. That's outstanding. So, uh, Dennis, besides Jonathan Quick, who we talked about earlier, Give me three keys that you think coming into the game tonight are the most important things for the LA Kings to execute on. Uh, their passing game. They have to be. They have to be crisper. Number one. Number two. They can't make mental mistakes. Their coverage has to be. They have to play a flawless game defensively. They can't get caught up the ice. And three. I, I think back to your. You got your guy in net. Jonathan Quick has to be the better goaltender tonight. Mike Smith, we had Jason Greger from Edmonton on the program in our uh, our playoff preview, and he said, look, Mike Smith has had his moments where he's been a really terrible goaltender, but people that are, don't, are, that, uh, are not watching or were not watching the Oilers down the stretch missed out on Mike Smith being solid. really solid yep. for them. And of course, you know, people were able to kind of get a chuckle at, at Greer's expense in game one when yep. Mike Smith went Mike Smith. Right. But I think you kind of have to be impressed. Or do you? Is it Mike Smith was impressive in game two and three? Or is it the LA Kings weren't executing their game plan and they weren't getting enough shots and enough quality shots on it? Well, here's the thing. It's always like, John, I've stopped looking at the shot clock for the Kings because they don't generate enough high danger chances. I think Mike Smith in two and three was, was good early, and that's all they needed. In the first game, they got goals in the second. In, in the third game, they got two goals early. So to me, if he's having good early, then he gets confidence. I, I think when he's not good early, like in the game one, they got two early. He made that mistake in game. And I think if I'm, the, I'm more impressive on the four-check because he only loves the puck handle. I would be in with Kempe, with Ayafalo, with Lazat, trying to forecheck him more to make mistakes handling the puck. You know, uh, you have Kaprizov and Kane, two players with the letter K that are leading the goals, uh, goal scoring race in the playoffs. It's very early, I understand. This isn't about the Con Smythe. I'm just saying they're leading. They're the leading goal scorers. The Kings have four players, Dennis, with the last name starting with K. So tonight, is it Andre Kopitar who gets things going for the Kings? Is it Rasmus Kapari? Uh, is it Adrian Kempe? Or is it time for an Artie party? Is it Arthur Kalia? Four guys. With the letter K. I think Kopi wants some redemption off that last game. Kopitar? He was not good. Yeah, he was not good. Well, he was on the ice for most of the goal, yeah, so, so he was not yeah, good. I think that, I think privately he probably sat down in his house in Manhattan Beach, looked at that score sheet and said, I got to be the better player. And he, he needs to be. Because when, it, when you boil it down, it's Kopitar and Deneau against McDavid and Drysaddle. Whoever wins that battle wins the game. The Kings won the battle in game one, and Leon and, and, and uh, and kind of one game too. The other guy, yeah, the, the guy, guy that everybody keeps talking about. Uh, so, Dennis, tonight, 
the Kings have to execute. They have to play their game. The veterans have to take over is what you're saying. I think Quickie has a big game. You're going Kopitar for a big game. If Ayafalo is potentially out, which is kind of what I'm hearing, that there's a chance, uh, then you could see Dustin Brown up on that line. And even if you don't see Brownie on the second line, you could still get a big game out of 23 tonight. So the three vets could step up big time and put on a performance that would tie this series. And then again, at the end of the night, it's not going to matter much uh, about those other two games because it's going to be a series that's tied 2-2 with three games to go. That's what the Kings have to do. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back after this. All right, joining us now on Kings of the Podcast live from the LA Kings Fan Fest is Jim Fox. Foxy, what's happening? Yeah, what's going on? Game four. Foxy, you know what? I always think back. I don't even know if you know this, although I brought it up a few times. You might have forgotten. You were the very first guest ever on Mayor's Manor. Wow. And you were also the very first correspondent. You were texting me those game reports from Vancouver back in the day. I don't know if you remember that or not. I think it was called... If I'm not mistaken, Mayor's one-bedroom condo. And then it moved and moved and moved and moved. Now it's Mayor's Manor. Now it's Mayor's Manor. That's Manor. right. It's 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 growing up. Just like these L.A. Kings, the kids are growing up right before our eyes. Now, Jimmy, I predicted the L.A. Kings are going to win tonight 4-2. I think it's going to be a huge game for Jonathan Quick. And I think uh, Dennis was here earlier saying it's redemption tonight for Andre Kopitar, who quite honestly was not very good the other night. What are your three kind of takes on tonight's game? What are the keys to the game? Well, the first thing for me is this. I'm looking around the NHL and I'm seeing blow-up after blow-up after blow-up. So it's only one game. As far as we know right now as we speak, Tampa Bay will tie things up and win 5-0 right now. So keep it that way. If I had keys, the number one key is staring you right in the face. If you don't limit the outnumbered attacks, and you want to do that, but if you don't, the Kings have to do a better job preventing that cross-pass tap-in backdoor two-on-one goal. That just has to go away. The Oilers are a high-skilled team, so they don't need as many chances. And when they get that two-on-one, they can finish that play better than most teams. If you can't have better positioning up the ice, if you can't limit the turnovers, make sure, in hockey we call it the Royal Road, that pass through that last scene through the middle for the tap in back door. The Kings have to stop that. That is key number one. Key number two is penalty kill. Another obvious thing right now because, okay, stay on the box, yes, but the Oilers, we talked with Mikey Anderson this morning, we talked with uh, Adrian Kepe, Oilers love to go down low more than most teams. We saw the tap-in goal last game uh, by Zach Hyman, just right in the crease, taps it in. So take away those scenes down low. Maybe give them the high shot. And if you can believe I'm going to say this, let Connor McDavid have the puck. On now, take away the one-time shot of Dreisaitl. Pick your poison. That's where you are right now. And then to me, it's a, it's a bigger picture. Manage the moment. There's going to be certain moments in a game where the Kings are going to have the opportunity offensively. you got to go. You can't hold back. When that switch is flicked from defense to offense, you got to go. Now, it appears, and nothing has been finalized as of yet, but it appears from, at least from what I'm hearing, Carl Grundstrom is going to play up on the top line tonight alongside Kopitar and Kempe. If that ends up happening, what do you make of Grundstrom being in such a, a huge role? I think you need to at least match some physicality. The others are bigger up front. They're bigger back on the blue line. But at the same time, that doesn't mean the Kings have to out-hit them. You just have to match it. You have to be there. Carl Grunson is that type of player that can be the first man on the forecheck check and take the body and make it happen. 
Now, we thought coming into the series that Athanasio was going to be that X-factor guy, right? You know, that quick strike capability. Well, the last game, he got knocked off the puck for a goal against, and that may have hurt his chance. Just those are the types of things for Grunstrom. You won't expect that, but you'll expect more of a give back. Give them back a little bit physicality, and Carl can do that. Talking about some of the younger kids, Gabe Velarde drew back into the lineup, and look, at the end of the season, in that kind of like, hey, show me what you have situation, I thought Gabe played well, and then he's back into the lineup the other night. What have you liked from Velarde or Kapari or Kaliev? Some of the younger kids who are getting some experience. First of all, with Kaliev, he was used in the last game as the bumper man on the power play, maybe the first time he's been in that position, and really, his skill set is shot, but I thought he handled that very, very well, and I know the Kings ended up with a power play goal. He wasn't really involved in that, but I think he was because he came back high near the blue line and it opened up that seam pass so Kempe could get the one-time shot, rebound to no goal. So when you make something work early in a game like that bumper position, later on it may work because something else is opened up. What I liked about Velarde was this. He was challenged at the end of the year, the last two games. He was challenged. You want a chance to play in the playoffs? You've got to play effectively. He did that and more. So I love that reaction. Kupari in the last game, along with a guy like Grunstrom you're mentioning, he can be physical. Again, he's not known as a guy that's going to run around, but still, he's a big body. Make sure the other team expends energy when they're defending you. Now, you mentioned Mikey Anderson early, and obviously he's still young in his NHL career. He's had some really exciting moments, and he's had some uh-oh moments. What have you liked? or not liked from Anderson so far through three games? Generally speaking, as a group, and I know this can change, but I think one-on-ones, I think the Kings defense men has, have been fine. I can't remember too many one-on-ones where they've gotten beat. And when Mike was growing into the NHL game, he was getting beat one-on-one, uh, leaning off balance forward, you know, and getting a little bit off balance, got to go around him, uh, those types of things. I have not seen that from the group as a whole. I know the numbers tell me that he was minus three last game. My eye tests tell me early in all three games, Mikey Anderson has been the best Kings defenseman on the ice because he's trying to set a tone. He's taking the body. He's standing up at the blue line. Game one, one-on-one -on -one against McDavid early. Man-on-man, -man made the contact. That's what I like to see from his game. So there's the numbers game, there's the eye test game, and I love the eye test. As a player, how difficult is it coming off of those big deficits that they've had? And, and you know, the cliches are there, right? Oh, park and ride, just, you know, whatever. But it is true. It's a 2-1 series, and when the Kings win tonight, it's an even series. I don't think it hurts the team that gets whacked as much as it helps the team that gets the big deficit. And I mentioned it after game two, late. Uh, Evander Kane scores. Uh-oh. Last game, Nugent Hopkins, who wasn't really on. The, so you increase their confidence. I don't think the team that gets beat worries about that that much. Again, just look around the NHL. There are, there are blowouts all around the first round right now, and teams are coming back to even things up, even after getting blown up. All right, Foxy, we appreciate you jumping on. We know you have other commitments tonight, so we'll let you run. That's going to be a wrap on Kings of the Podcast. commitments? I got a game tonight. Uh, yeah, well. <laughs> other commitments? Well, you have your pregame commitments. Yes, you have a Kings game. Game four, Foxy. Is it? Game four. I'll be there. It's a big one. <laughs> thanks for jumping on. Kings of the Podcast, thanks to all the fans for coming out. We appreciate it. A live podcast. We'll have to do this again Just sometime. And uh, we'll talk to everybody soon. Thank you, everybody. Have a good day. The life I love is making music with my friends And I can't wait to get on the road again On the road again Going places that I've never been Seeing things that I may never see again
again And I can't wait to get on the road again Here we go On the road again Like a band of gypsies we go down the highway We're the best of friends Insisting that the world keep turning our way And our way is on the road again I just can't wait to get on the road again the life I love is making music with my friends And I can't wait to get on the road again Big finish And I can't wait to get on the road again